This is a show about individual experience and personal identity. There may be times when folks use identifying words or phrases that don't feel right to you. That's part of what we're exploring here. Please listen with an open heart. And as always, I welcome your polite, engaged feedback. And I encourage you to continue the conversation in your own life and with your own community. Welcome to Query. Hey, Queeros, Cammie here. Today on the show, Sam Sanders, Say Jones, and Zach Stafford. They host the podcast Vibe Check, and I've been fans of all of them. Uh, not fans. I have been one single fan of all of them for a long time. So this was a super exciting chat for me. And um, I want to also welcome Said back to the show because Said is amazing. And what else do I want to tell you about? Oh, I have a new show that's in LA. It's Tuesdays. Hopefully in the new year, it'll be every week. For now, it is once a month. The next one is December 12th. It's at 7.30 at the Elysian Theater here in Los Angeles. But you can go to CameronEsposito.com slash shows for tickets. Please come. And hey, do you want to support the show? We would love that. You can head over to Patreon.com slash HeyQueeros and toss some moolah at your best friend, me. Okay, enjoy the episode. I always have guests introduce themselves. Would you all introduce yourselves? My name yeah. is five minutes early, Sam Sanders. Yeah, there you are <laughs> absolutely uh-huh. on time. Yeah. And my and my name is Zach Stafford. I was on time, but saw that Saeed was going to be late, so I said, "Let me take my time." Jesus <laughs> Christ! All right, keep going. I am Saeed Jones, the award-winning late friend. <laughs> I might not arrive when you want me, but I'm always right on time, baby. <laughs> As we say in the right. church, he may not come when you want him, but Hello. he'll be there right on time. All right, oh, I am so edging time and space, darling. Look at me. Oh, oh. <laughs> God. <laughs> Oh my God. Wait, what time is it in? Are oh y'all in California? Is I all, never, are, oh my God. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, and now we're there. Well, now listen, we're there. And now we're there. Say, we we don't really know each other that well, but we've, we've met. <laughs> yes. And I now really you do. like you. Yes. And I'm a huge, like, fan of all your work. And, and we, so we've met, right? It's been a minute. I, I think it's, it's been, been a, a query two times, but I think yeah. there's a whole pandemic between there was a, us. Things, have, I think it was, things have happened. Yeah. <laughs> Lots happened since we Things last chatted. Have it's happened. good to see you. And um, Sam, I told you when you first joined as the early baby um, that <laughs> I have listened to everything you've ever done. And Aww. it's kind of actually wild to see your face because, uh. yeah, you're somebody I've listened to for a long time. You know, there's, and I will also say, just so you know what a high compliment this is, I don't fucking listen to uh. anything. <laughs> a lot of times people will be like, what kind of comedy do you like? I say, I don't watch comedy. What's wrong with you? <laughs> I'm what so honored. What podcast are you into? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. That's you not. You made my day. <laughs> so taste and discernment. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and Zach, we are. You are the newest friend to me, but I will yes. say, already came in very strong in my in the growth Thank of you. in the um, came in Grinch, in the Grinch ish in the Grinch esque growth of my heart when you. <laughs> discussed very briefly 
um, taking like a low cost helicopter ride. <laughs> yes, the Uber X of helicopters. We're trying yes. to find an Uber X helicopter ride. So yeah, no. Thank you for being uh, so gracious with my ridiculousness because I felt bad that that was the first thing I said to you because usually it takes an hour of warming up no. before I start showing my true self. Uh-uh. And Cameron, you're getting it within minutes. Well, so he's like, no. <laughs> I'm really good at um, just jumping right into friendship. Uh, I love, you know, getting into that sweetness right away. So I took it as a high compliment. Here's this person just telling me the truth. Authenticity. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. We love it. We love to see it (laughs) and hear it. Love it. (laughs) Another thing, look, this is where I was going to start because um, I was telling Sam that my my dog is in the hospital right now. Oh, no. She's okay. I think, well, at least I think she is. I think she's going to be released today. Okay. Um, But Sam and I were talking about that's being a racket and i just wanted to share something with you all that i've never experienced before which is that so i took her to her regular vet last week and then she came home but over the weekend she had like a flare-up again and so she had to go to like the er vet and at the er vet there's like the you know your dog might have to be resuscitated there's like a release form Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. then there was a second page that was like you know what? Actually, I respect them so much for this page of copy because it was <laughs> I I felt like I can't believe you can just do this. But it was a page of copy about listen to me. Like that's what they said basically. Listen to me. Huh. When you hear how much this is going to cost, you might want to become violent with the staff here. But that's way ha- this release <laughs> is you agreeing that you will not threaten stop or, or enact physical violence against stop. yourself. This is like that sign you see at TSA where it's like if you hit a the <gasps> there are repercussions for hitting it these people like on buses. It, I feel like buses like you see that. that. Ooh, that's oh, but you crazy. know what? When I see that sign those at forms TSA, tell a story. They do. And when it's the same thing with the TSA, I'm never I never see that sign and I go, mm-hmm. why is that here? Right. Yeah. You're like, oh, something happened several mm-hmm. times. I will Enough say for somebody to go to Kinko's. Yeah, mm-hmm. I will say the energy of a sharp vet's office is the same energy as a good funeral home because they know you're desperate. Damn, they know oh, you're in pain, I, and they're wow. like, well, if you really loved your mother, you'd get the biggest casket, right? Ooh. If you really oh loved your dog, wouldn't you uh, take them to water therapy for uh, four months? Like, it's very much like, well, do you love your person? Do you love your baby? Literally, my dog had to have ACL surgery several years ago. Uh-huh. First of yep. all, how do dogs have an athlete. ACL? Yeah, 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 athlete. Very human. So, <laughs> very human. She gets the surgery. It's four grand in 2013 uh-huh. dollars. And it's like, whatever, mm-hmm. fine. So it has the surgery. We're like, okay, she made it. And they're like, well... Um, she's going to need some therapy, some physical therapy now. And I said, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. I said, she'll walk with me when she's ready and she won't walk when she's not. They're like, no, here's the DVD with the instructions for how you're going to do therapy with her every day. And then we, we really think that you should take her to water therapy. And I said, what do you mean you water know, Sam, therapy? You've told me this before. It was, you know, rest in peace to my beloved Caesar. I, mm-hmm. in retrospect, I know shit was really dire because at some point they did mention hydrotherapy, which, and I don't, Cameron, I don't drive. 
So in addition to everything else, it was like, I was like, where where would this be? Because I was like, well, let's, I have follow-up questions. I wasn't even immediately yeah. like, no. I was like, well, how would it work? Where is it? And they were like, oh, it's a facility an hour and 40 minutes away. And I was like, that's the thing. Well, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. You know, I, yeah, <laughs> I was oh, so no. stressed out. I was willing to entertain the hydrotherapy. Yeah. I was yeah. living Lord. in D.C., they wanted me to drive the dog out to like outside of Baltimore twice a week. And I was going to be in the pool with the dog doing the paddle stuff and paying to do it. No. <laughs> you learn a lot about, I mean, the, I guess if it's a silver lining, um, you don't need to tell a pet owner they love their pet, but you really learn about love and like and you're just like whatever it takes yes. whatever no. i will move yes. mountains for this little creature that i just care so much about but i hope you hope your dog comes home today cameron oh my god yeah. thank you so much um well that was a digression that really had nothing to do with anything wow. but it taught me a lot about <laughs> like we learned we learned bits and pieces do you know what yes. i'm saying i mean that's how i interview i don't ask now. someone directly yes. do you drive you know what i mean like i we get yeah. there but it's not. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I don't have to hit you over the head with it. Have they put your dog on IV fluids? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's because that they love to do that. Yep. Because then once they got the IV in there, they're like, well, they probably need some IV oxy for doggies. They probably need some this for doggies. And they just oh go, 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 well, go. Like she, I will get get more angry. We got some angry emails from vets last time Sam said on the yeah. <laughs> that vets are a racket. And here we Come go again. Come at me. I have kept the yeah. veterinary industry in Southern California in business. Come at me. You think you think you personally have? Because I was just gonna say. I mean, I think the vet. I think they're doing fine. They're oh, doing so fine. fine. They're doing. Here, fine. I think they're California. doing fine. My dog has also had orthopedic surgery, and I will oh. just say, having a dog that has orthopedic surgery in Los Angeles, her orthopedic surgeon was one of the hottest men I've ever seen in my entire Because it still is L.A. You of know, course. like, he was LA. so gorgeous. Pecs you could see through his mm, scrubs. Obsessed. Like, yes. but just Ooh, also covered in scrubs. dog hair. It was, no, like, came out wow. of an O.R. Like, That's with, like, a, a mask honey. on. Like, wow. Grey's Anatomy. Like, it was still real. Still fine. Now it's McDreamy at the veterinary. <laughs> Vet Dreamy. Vet Dreamy. Wow. Vet yeah, dreamy. I love absolutely. it. Wow. So, nice. we don't know. Okay, talk to me about. I want to hear a little bit about. This is going to be. This is going to be. Yes, a, it's yes, going to be. A, yes. But we're going to get back around. Talk to me about your friendship. I want to hear about your friendship. Oh, I just co-opted them. I said you're mine now. You're you mine. Did, honestly, I'm tired of fighting it. That's exactly what happened. Yeah, you were. He really did. I want I wish I could yeah. say. I, is there a dog analogy for this, Sam? Because I don't want to say we were at the pound and you like came in. Like, oh my god, so we, were, we were fine. We were living our lives. I, res we just, I we rescued were, Saeed and Zach. <laughs> You assembled your pack. You assembled yes, your pack. Okay, there we go. That's you that's good. There. I like that. Yeah, long story short, work better in a pack. Like they're there you fine go. by themselves, but in terms of like really getting out there and getting into <laughs> yes. it, they they like really they can like be and, their yeah. best selves. I like that. Actually, yeah. this is really this is a great bridge because. I wouldn't say I'm necessarily a pack dog. I would not say Sai Jones is a pack dog. Mm -hmm. We have been in packs together that fights have broken out and those packs have descended into chaos and have disbanded. <laughs> but Sam Sanders did enter our life and he became a pack leader that we were like, okay, girl, sure, you can take the the, the reins here. So that's how it, it <laughs> He happened, waited until but... Zach and Saeed were just tired enough. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Wait, like, you know what? Let's be easier no. in a group. Is that still how it, it's like... That is that 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 feels like is that pressure on you, Sam? Or does that feel good? <laughs> no, it Sam was you know it. it was I I love it. So like I met 
both of them professionally. Um, Zach had been piloting a podcast project with a colleague of mine at NPR. We met that way. And then I interviewed Saeed when his memoir came out on uh-huh. my show at NPR. And so they were in my professional orbit, and I knew them and, like, had their contact info. And I th- I made Zach my friend first. Um, mm-hmm. Literally made him my friend. Because when I met and him... Not- <laughs> go ahead. You can say it. You go you for it. You, say tell it. It. you say it. <laughs> nope. You go for it. When I met him, I was moving back to L.A. after covering election 2016 in D.C. And our mutual friend, Joanna, was like, you should meet my friend, Zach. He lives downtown in this really cute apartment. I was like, yeah, girl, let's meet him. I meet Zach. I see his apartment. Within an hour, I'm like, well, I'm going to live downtown in a loft, too. So I literally moved like three or four blocks down, down the street. Down. Is that where like, you live to this day? No, I've I left there apart- for two or three years. We both have left. Yeah, We both have left. But it was literally like, oh, I really love Sam. Like, I'd known Sam professionally. I admired his work. You know, when you're in the NPR machine, Sam is a god of NPR. And so you're like, oh, one day maybe yeah, I'll be able to grace. It's like, Sam is I'm like, a white lesbian. You're right. <laughs> you get it. You get it. So when Joanna was like, Sam Sanders was to come over, I was like, oh my God, amazing. I love him. This is going to be great. I had no idea that our love and the ability for us to get along which uh, would equate to him moving literally a block away and being around <laughs> me all the time, which was great. And I and I embraced it fully. And Saeed and I have been friends for life. Saeed is falling out Saeed's his joking. chair. Saeed is falling out his chair. But you know, a- once I really start laughing, it's like, is your mic ready for that? Yeah, yeah. And then with Saeed. Dude, oh, go ahead. It was so, so yeah, 2019. Um, I, I remember we, so, well, I will, the one thing I will say, um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know about the demographic of, of Queries listeners, but I'm about to use the N-word, and if y'all are too sensitive, you know, <laughs> step away for a moment. I had a very precise moment where I was listening to It's Been a Minute, and Sam told some, I don't know if you told an anecdote, but you said something enough that I got the, you know, I heard the LGBT, you know, mafia call, and at my desk, I said, that nigga's gay? (laughs) (laughs) And previously, I'd had the, that nigga's from Texas, too? You know, like, I had these two moments, and so then we started direct message, because I was like, oh, that's it. I was like, where's my phone? Where's my phone? (laughs) (laughs) I was fed up. Um, Because I was like, what are the odds? Like, this is just too much to have in common with someone and work in media yes. and listen yeah. to them, yes. as you were saying earlier, Cameron. I was listening to It's Been a Minute every I was like, how could I not have known? Okay, we need to. Yeah. So we started DMing. And then, yeah, Sam interviewed me um, in 2019 for How We Fight for Our Lives. It was still easily one of the top three interviews I've gotten to do in my life. And so we were like, let's actually stay in touch, which, you know. Everyone says you that. have a good interview. You, you, you know. don't become friends with everybody you have a nice interview with, but but we did, we did, and then yeah. Zach and I. I realized Zach, we are approaching a decade of friendship at a this decade. Point. Yeah, mm-hmm. I can check my emails because I think it was emails. Twenty thirteen. We probably like over email and Twitter, and I mm-hmm. think we met in person maybe the next year. Yeah, was it twenty fourteen mm-hmm. at IML at a leather yes. festival? We went to a sex party that night, and that's how you do friendship, girls. <laughs> oh my god, you met at IML, like in Chicago? Yes, yes, in Chicago. <laughs> well, I'm from Chicago, so listen. Oh, no okay. way. Um, oh my god, what part of Chicago are you from? Oh, babe, the suburbs. I, which suburb? <laughs> I went. To, I went to DePaul. I know Chicago very well. You went what to suburb? where? I went to DePaul, so I know a lot of oh, Chicago suburbs. My suburb dad went. Kids. My dad and my. My dad went there for law school, and my little sister yeah. was in their theater program. 
That's a great. It's one of the best theater oh. programs in the world. That's yeah, amazing. it is. Yeah. Uh, but you went to DePaul. So what did you think of Chicago? I loved it. I loved it so much. I loved it so much that when Saeed visited, I was like, you must see everything outside of IML. And we had like a whole night. We went, we went out, straight to the manhole. That's we what he felt I needed to see. It was kind of weird. We've only been hanging out in person for like three hours. <laughs> and like the sex party. Uh, but no, we, I moved to Chicago from Tennessee and we all are Southern. So that's something fun about our friendship. Mm-hmm. And that's our friendship, as you'll mm-hmm. learn, I think through this conversation, there was so much similarity. So when we did finally crash into each other, it's kind of like, like a, yeah. oh, you've always been a foot away exactly. this whole time. So yeah. I was in Chicago and uh, I was there as a reporter for nine years and an editor. Uh, and Saeed came there to visit to work on the first book to mm-hmm. revisit a story in your own history. And um, and that's where our friendship really took off because it became physical. Because when I would go yes. to New York, then Saeed became a priority because before I was just a fan. And with both of them, I was a fan of Sam in Chicago. He came and did a live show. I sat on audience similar to Saeed and I was like, he's gay. He didn't say it himself. <laughs> But I was like, I know he's gay. And then I tweeted at him. Zach and he tweeted the light back. skin did not say yeah. that nigga. But no, know. I did not. The, the, the I spirit. also did not say that the when, spirit I, was when I realized uh-huh. that was that. But. That gentleman is African-American? Okay. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Also, as uh, I guess revealed last week, Zach now goes by intra-racial. Interracial. <laughs> was that from I the Jack Harlow chat? Was, was that interracial? Was? I said interracial. Wait, I don't even know what, the, I don't know what you're talking about. I heard intra. <laughs> it's long. How we, do we set that it's up? A, that's he a called himself it. intraracial instead of saying biracial. And that's when we were like, okay, oh so we're still working on the healing. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was like a slip up of words. I was tired. I don't actually do I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. We were having this long chat about Jack Harlow and the racial performance of white men on TikTok Ooh. had to be there. Had to be there. Anywho. No, yeah. no. I mean, I digress. I actually, yeah. honestly, you brought me, I don't, I feel like I'm up. Just, I feel like I'm, <laughs> I feel like I'm in it. Okay. Like I'm in it. Yeah. <laughs> God. Uh, 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 well, I, but I think to land the plane here, we yes. would always the helicopter. away from the each helicopter. other. The helicopter. To land the helicopter here. <laughs> Let's hope we it lands. We were so close. And it was going to land. And um, in 20, when the pandemic hit, we decided all right. other group chats were terrible and we needed each other to get through it all. And through that became our show Vibe Check. Um, so oh, yeah. Cohesive yeah. And the group chat at first, I named it Witches of Macbeth. And I was very proud mm-hmm. of that. Love it. And then we were just text, 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 text. And I, I don't know who first joked, like, we should have a podcast. But I remember it was still like one of the lockdowns. I had just taken an interview for work and it was fine. But I finished the interview and I was like... I don't want to talk to these people. I want to talk to my friends. (laughs) I want to talk to my friends. And maybe a week or two later, we had taped the pilot via Zoom. I put it on SoundCloud, and that's what we sold. Yeah. Yeah. And it sold very, it sold so quickly. The rest is vibe check. And what really, I think, cemented it was on It's Been a Minute. You had Saeed and I on together to talk about the late, great Andre Leon Talley, the Vogue fashion editor who passed away. I and, heard and that tra- episode. And so we, about. and what was wild about that episode is we, we talked to each other like girlfriends. We were like, let's talk about yeah. this really big breaking news story as we talk about it privately. But we did it yeah. on NPR podcast and every radio station. And for days we got flooded with emails, texts, mm-hmm. tweets, and people were just so, I think, excited to hear that the news could be 
deliver that way, that it could be so personal yeah. and personable yeah. and that it could be so relatable and that you can use your own experiences to better understand something that was really big for certain people in the world. So. I remember, I don't know if we've talked about this, but I remember personally being confused because mm. I, you know, if, if, if you do a lot of media stuff i don't i don't listen to every interview as soon as it airs well i was like i was there i don't you know i'm not like oh it's Mm -hmm. up let me you know Mm -hmm. um so i wasn't immediately like listening to the episode but i remember in the days that followed like sam and then other people the reaction was outsized i know who we are i believe Mm -hmm. you know it's not like an imposter syndrome but i remember just being like i don't people are way too excited (laughs) you know and yeah and i think and and this well, well, it is a dig at public radio. It's striking to me that three Black queer people simply being both authentic and, you know, if not competent, you know, experts on on, on a topic was was so electric. Because I was like, honestly, that just felt, sounds like any conversation the three of us would have, if you could yeah. get us to stay on the same topic for four minutes straight, you know? Right, right, right. <laughs> well, I yeah. hear you. You yeah. know, I mean, I guess what I'll say is like, for so for me, because I've, toured for 20 years um i listen to i do a lot of listening it's the easy i find that it is like the most portable way for me to feel like i have a little bit of company Mm -hmm. i also try to see people if there's like somebody i know in the city and right now i'm actually taking a break from touring because i just can't fucking stand it anymore you know i did 20 years (laughs) that's enough like that's enough it's a long time and travel as we often talk about air travel is Mm. a mess so it's exhausting you know but it really is like the loneliness that i think Mm. has been the biggest burden for me and so Mm. the reason i'm saying this is because um Again, I don't always listen to, I do listen to like a lot of music and mm-hmm. I also listen to a lot of NPR because of like the news angle, which mm-hmm. feels like a little chatty, but also not like, mm-hmm. like, I don't like love. I'm not like a true crime guy. Um, yeah. So, if, so anyway, what, the reason I'm saying this is because, and I also, I like, sometimes when I'm traveling, I also listen to something overnight. And so, like, I can oh. put the BBC News Hour on. I mean, it's yeah. like nothing wrong with that. She, yeah. While you're survive. sleeping, trying to survive. Yeah, sometimes. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Right. I like get that. So, you're just not alone. Yeah. yeah, the lonesomeness on the road can be. It's so it can rough. hit you really yeah. hard. <laughs> so here's what I'll say. So anyway, I've listened to a lot of NPR. Is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> a lot. Like sometimes I'm like, oh my god, this is repeat. Like I've already yeah. heard it. Literally- yes. <laughs> I've literally been listening uh-huh. to this so long yes. that's real. That morning edition yes. is has now, but it's Twice. late. Uh-huh. It's late yes. afternoon. Yeah. yeah. You're like, yeah. oh, shift change. Interesting. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on!
Well, I would, here's a question I have actually based on what you're saying. Do, do the three of you think that you have over time, either consciously or unconsciously altered your voices to be on a recorded medium? I think I've uncovered my voice. I think I've uncovered my voice, unleashed my voice, let my voice be as big as it wants to be. And going back to that Andre Tally episode, you know, that episode in, in many ways was in the mold of how we were making that show. You have a really intricate produced intro or topper, as we call it, then a smart panel or two-way. And, you know, it went through the same editing process, production process that all of the other episodes went through, but it was better and different and more golden because the three of us were fully ourselves. And yeah. part of that was the three of us being together, but part of that was just me getting more comfortable over time saying, I'll be as black as I want to be, as gay as I want to be, as Texan as possible. You know, it's funny, like for years, and people would tell me this, people would tell me the first time that they figured out as listeners that I am Texan or I'm black or I'm gay. And they, would, and they would be like, ha, ha, ha. And I would be like, no, no, no. No, 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 no. Like, whether I mean it or not, that's not going to be the future for me. That, like, that won't be my entire career. Doing yeah. this, is he, or, is he or isn't he? And so yeah. something about the time at which we taped that episode uh -huh. and the three of us together felt like I had finally gotten to this point where it's like, this is all of me, take it or leave it. And like, mm -hmm. of course you can take it because you've already been listening to me. You yeah. already know. And that's me. interesting. It's not a so, different because, me. because I have wondered. I mean, I joke about the like that, you know, like, but but it was sincere, yeah. because you, yeah. you, it wasn't that it wasn't that I felt like you were using um even like we've talked about like radio voice or podcast yeah. voice. It didn't quite feel, yeah. but like a, a certain carefulness. So so when you would oh, get those sure. reactions, that was a little alarming to you. You were like, I don't. Yeah, like how I was that like, feels. what am I doing? Yeah, yeah. Because you, you're right. So it's like I was never being disingenuous, I was being careful. In the same way that like, you only dance all the way in certain spaces. Oh. Everyone can dance, everyone likes to dance. Okay. Some people do their most energetic dancing only in the shower. Some right. people do their most energetic dancing only with these friends at this club. I like Some that. people only dance with their dog you know, and something about Zach and Saeed and the Andre episode, it like said to me, it's like you can dance full out everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Right. Everywhere. Well, I mean, because. And each dance think, is true, but I want to dance big everywhere. And I think some of what we've talked about here, because the reason. So we went like there's a little proverbial voice in what we were talking about. But I also meant like your actual tone of voice, which I think was also covered a little bit in what Saeed said. And the reason I was asking this is I remember when there was a massive outcry around vocal fry yes. showing up oh, on yeah, NPR. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. around, like because because we because everybody was so upset around a generational change. And mm -hmm. that the the specifically like it was folks that it was women at the time mm -hmm. that were like being introduced in the programming that were younger, mm -hmm. that were not like necessarily <laughs> Madeline Brand or whatever. Like it was yeah. like anybody who was a generation younger and people were pissed. Like yes. that was like this is like a Twitter of a different era. Yes. when Like this is something that we had the 
<laughs> mental space to care about um, uh-huh. uh, or not we, I didn't care about it, but that some people <laughs> had the space to care about. And so I think of even like, you know, I've said this on the, on the podcast before, like I just happen to have an actual physical voice that matches that I think like says a lot about my gender and sexuality. And mm-hmm. that also it works well with the tech that was developed mm-hmm. for microphones because it is mm-hmm. deeper. Um, yeah. and so like for me working in an, on uh, working in audio, like in a, in just something you'd only listen to has I just feel like I'm like, that's, this has been great for me because right. it's like, yeah. I couldn't hide it. Like, and not that mm-hmm. other people were trying to hide it, but like some woman that's getting this, you know, feedback around like vocal fry and what she's mm-hmm. trying to convey while doing yeah. the news. It's like, well, I'm trying to convey that I'm gay and I have a great gay, vo- I have like a gay voice. <laughs> a great gay voice. Great gay I think voice. This is so interesting because I yeah. feel like particularly having done, you know, some book promo cycles and, um, yeah, I mean, I guess I would say regarding like the literal tone of my voice, um, often if I'm by myself, I mean, I think I've, I think I'm more confident. I think I'm, you know, I'm getting more comfortable in in the audio format. So I think I'm becoming more consistent, just you know, across the board. But also, I think one on one, you know, I think it's pretty normal to you begin to mirror who you're talking to, mm. you know, I, I, I remember being interviewed by Terry Gross and then I started to feel my voice kind of, <laughs> kind of echoing the kind of Terry Gross. Also, shout out Terry. <laughs> Love you, girl. She's wonderful. It's good. But you know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah. I, And I think that's actually very human. That probably happens, mm-hmm. you know, just every conversation. I think what I've enjoyed with Vibe Check yeah, of course. is that I have started to observe, just for myself at least, um, more of the colors you know, mm-hmm. I laugh in different ways, um, yes. you know, in different contexts. And you hear all of those different types of laugh on yes. the podcast. I talk differently when I'm saying something that as it's coming out of my mouth, I'm confident I know where the sentence is going. I talk differently when Sam sa- says something that surprises me or Zach and I'm like, huh? You know, and, and I'm really thinking through. So there's a um, there's a richness that I think vibe check like has allowed me to embrace because it's about friendship i'm not just Mm. saeed the author i'm zach's friend of 10 years i'm sam's friend of going on i don't know what four or five years you know and and so that's the way your friends can kind of hit you in the ribs saying girl you didn't mean that. that's not what happened you know (laughs) Uh your your little performance kind of breaks down yeah it's fun yeah and i would say for me uh yeah for me What's been amazing is that through the process of doing this show specifically, I think I've become more of myself through that process Mm. of being given a space where I can be with two friends and I'm not on edge. I don't feel like I'm failing. I don't feel like I'm not being NPR enough or TV cable news enough because my training, like I I come from like a very serious journalistic practice. I was, you know, I started my career at the Chicago Tribune, right out of college. I then moved to the Guardian. I was an investigative reporter and I would do TV hits to talk about death and homicides. And it was very like, I'd be on CNN and it's like, hi, and you have, you're delivering news. So it's a very like kind of tampered down kind of just a voice that can be of anyone's voice really. Right. Cause it's not day. about you. You can't be it's talking exactly. about those kinds of exactly. topics. And, and, and then through the years, especially when we put the show together, yeah, you know, my absolutely. family calls me now and they'll be like, I haven't talked to you in two weeks, but you sound good. 
you sound like you're happy because they can yeah. actually tell how I'm doing by how I'm talking. And I think oh. we as queer people, especially as black queer people, we've been trained mm. through journalism to rip all that away to where we don't become yes. anything. So it makes sense that Sam, people couldn't. They were trying to figure it out. Like even us as black people mm -hmm. were like, wait, wait, what's going on here? Hey, is it? Is but, it? What? what? Yeah. yeah. And that's because like the machine of news has like been like, you are, you don't exist. And you our exist. show is, are, is so radical because we do exist and we're really different. Oh, yeah. And with the three of us have different opinions. And, and that comes out through our voices now. Just to speak to the whole you don't you don't exist of it all with news. Mm -hmm. When I first began at NPR, uh, my first official training as an NPR journalist began in like the summer of 2009. And at that point, when they trained you on how to write script for audio, the first rule was never use the word I. Mm -hmm. You never use the word I. You say the story. You say the sources. Oh. You take literally take the word mm -hmm. I out. Like, that's how serious it was. And so I think what Vibe Check does is says it proves that we can still be rigorous journalists, still have a good conversation and be I. I is there, you know? Do you ever feel wow. like, because I'm also thinking about, Cameron, what you were saying about, like, you know, you naturally having a deeper voice. And mm -hmm. so um, because a lot of this is also gender. Uh -huh. It's not just like, you know, it's like the uh -huh. and 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 I. I don't think I have tried to deepen my voice to um, masculinize because it's not just like to, it could also be like I feel like like giggling like I feel like you know yeah. like flirty you know that do, what do y'all think about that? Like I will say moments. I was thinking about gender a lot when you brought up vocal fry mm -hmm. because everybody knows if you think long and hard enough the most chronic vocal fryer in all of radio is Ira Glass. Ira Glass vocal fries like a motherfucker. Shake and the table. everybody Sam. loves it. Drag her. Everybody Drag loves her. it. Oh my God. He'll tell you. We're friends. So it's funny. fine. So it's wow. not about the vocal fry. Uh -huh. It's not about yeah. the vocal fry. Yeah. You well, know, people always when, like when a man when a man does it, it's you know, it's oh, yeah. just like objective. Oh, yeah. It's artistic. Yeah. Even just yeah, yeah. So like this wow. is the thing. It is all conditional and subjective. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I remember getting notes when I first began hosting the NPR politics podcast mm -hmm. that I would say like too much. You know who says like a lot? Terry Gross. Terry Gross says like a lot. And it's I love fine. a good like, comma, like as an Thank introductory you. clause. Mm -hmm. I love yes. it. Oh, my God. Yes. Mm -hmm. Great. So I can bring it back? <laughs> well, yeah, yes. bring, it back. bring it back. Oh, honey, it well, never also, left. It never left. Also, <laughs> this is the thing we have to understand about the linguistics of these filler words. Um, people always think the filler words are just there to fill because we feel insecure as people who are speaking. A lot of times the filler words are there because the speaker wants to make sure their listener is keeping up and following along. Mm -hmm. When I say like, when I say so, I'm oh. saying you're still here, right? You're good, right? Yeah. I got you, right? We're cool, right? So like, so you good? I am, I am, I'm holding your hand. I'm holding your fucking hand. So wow. you think I'm saying so and like because I'm insecure. No, I care. Mm -hmm. I care. Wow. Anywho, don't get me started. <laughs> no, I mean, well, I want, I also, I guess I want to go back to something that you said, Sam, and then I think also how it relates to what you were talking about, Zach. You know, my, I, my wife is a book editor and she also works, she's, you know, queer person, 
because we're married to <laughs> surprise surprise <laughs> yeah. everybody there's that there's that muscle yeah oh, that's <laughs> brave brave cameron to disclose that today thank you for, for coming out today yes yeah, you're on the query podcast so um, and uh then also you know she, she's also a mixed race person she is somebody who's often perceived as asian um and so the reason i'm saying all this is similar to what you two were talking about, a book editor is is one of those jobs where it's like, don't have an identity. I mean, I also have right. a don't have yes. an identity mm-hmm. job. Like, cause it's like, why would you talk about being gay? Just talk about nothing. And it's like, but nothing mm-hmm. is straightness. But I yeah. do get to use I. Yes. And, I, and it does, uh. does get to be my face. And just hearing, yeah. you know, hearing from somebody who is in the arts and who is producing, you know, alongside her authors, but who has, is just in the midst of working on this tension, right? Because also there was that big, like pre-pandemic sort of, it almost felt like the examination of who we were hiring, you know, the like pressure Mm -hmm. on bringing a bunch of people into new jobs, Mm -hmm. but then Mm -hmm. we're like really glad that you're here so that we can talk about our like, you know, diversity Mm -hmm. and inclusion, but- Meanwhile, you're making less money and have no power. There but you you're here. Congrats. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You're but, welcome. Yes. And also, like, and you will be laid off in 2.5. Oh my years. god. <laughs> oh my god. It's, it's, it really uh-huh. is like a three. Because you're right. There was one of so one of at least in book publishing. I'm thinking there was a significant um, study that was done. So it was probably 2016. And then I felt you're right. There was there was another one of those moments. DEI, which I always confuse with. D-I-E. Um, and then 2020 and, and just yeah. to use the most recent example of mm-hmm. these cycles, um, most of those people who were hired under the auspices of whatever we want to call the summer of 2020 have since been laid off. A lot of those departments yeah. Yeah. and initiatives yeah. and fellowships have kind of drifted. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so it's a thing. It's but, a and thing. it's also Where like it's, come yeah. in here and you and like right. put your put yourself into this, but also like don't totally put yourself into this. Like this Mm -hmm. isn't, so it's, I've certainly heard a lot about that tension in it. Mm -hmm. Um, That is complicated in a a job that is, I mean, I know journalism. Well, do you consider journalism art? Sometimes. Sometimes. That's actually a great question. Zach, I wonder that sometimes. Zach, what do you think about that? I think it could be artistic. I think you see it kind of come to head with, um, you know, uh, with magazine writing. Uh, yeah, you know, for sure. I think oh, a lot about journalism. Yeah. So I think a lot about and even how the, the tension arises. So, you know, the past few weeks with things going on with Israel and Hamas, you know, the incredible Jasmine Hughes had to resign from the New York Times magazine. And what was so confusing about that was she was writing from her perspective the whole time and using her life as the jumping off point into her journalism, into her storytelling. And so many of us, especially black journalists who were given an opportunity. I had the same thing at The Guardian. I was brought into The Guardian because um, I wasn't a great reporter potentially, but they loved that I was black and that I looked like this rising Black Lives Matter movement. I was at the same age and I could embed Mm -hmm. and it became Mm -hmm. subjective in that. Um, But now we're seeing people punish for that bringing your whole self to work yeah and that's what's well, become yeah. really confusing with the the art of journalism as as a form right. because now it's right, kind right, of right, a closeted right. art yeah because it's Oof. well because you know and i say this as someone who you know before i was in a newsroom as an editor and i remember you know my my initial conversations with my editor-in-chief 
Ben Smith at the time, I was so anxious because I was like, I'm a poet. How could I, po-? you know, I, I didn't go to, you know, mm-hmm. and he was like, it's fine. It's fine. He was like, if anything, you pay more attention to language than, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But it's weird because, you know, journalism always exists in tension. Well, straight white male objective journalism exists in mm-hmm. tension with art because, you know, they don't really want to admit that the photos they pick are also being picked because of the aesthetics and that there are aesthetic mm-hmm. values in the images. Mm-hmm. They don't really mm-hmm. want to admit that there is a rhetorical work being done in headlines, um, mm-hmm. in word choices, officer-involved Active voice, shooting. passive voice. All I saw a Palestinian poet that actually, um, Mossab, who I, I mentioned on Vibe Check and read his essay, and I saw someone use the word arrested, you know, as opposed to, I'm like, armies don't arrest poets. That's not what happens um so you know it's you know and of course like the language so it's it it, it i guess it's arts and letters it, it exists it has a it has a stronger relationship with the arts than i think journalism as an industry is willing to take credit for because mm-hmm. i think there's a fear that the moment you embrace that aspect of the craft it's narcissistic or self-centered or mm-hmm. not truthful I think also there's yeah. like, I mean, the word, this is like such a fucked up word, right? But purity. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, because yeah. art, well, art put into something that's object, that's so just mm-hmm. innately in- objective. It's a distraction. As, yeah. as journalism, mm-hmm. then it's now it's impure because it's because it's a perspective impure. has been brought into it. Yeah. Well, and then, I, you know, what I find a lot of times, you know, these historically white, newsrooms who all of a sudden realize they can't just do that anymore they'll say okay yeah we want gay we want black we want woman but on our terms and in this space so i need you black over here this way i need you gay over here this way i need to be a woman over here only in this month on these stories this way (laughs) and i think what we said with vibe tech was like we're actually in charge of it we're in charge of yeah. how black we are. We're in charge of how gay we are. And there's no other voice turning that dial for us. This is the thing that in other spaces, I felt like there were other forces asking me to turn my dial or quietly nudging me to turn my dials. I don't even think of my dials when I'm with these two. Mm-hmm. I feel we're just so vibing. happy for you. I like this is I mean, <laughs> this is why I started by asking about how you became friends and friendship just in general, because I also think that, you know, just in terms of what's exported about, I mean, even what I talk about on the podcast, I'm like, I'm rarely asking people like, by the way, talk about who are your best friends, you know, like, and, and, uh, (laughs) you know, because, but but that's true, right? Because your professional self, I mean, generally we're like, mm -hmm. that's, you save that shit for happy mm-hmm. hour. This is not a best. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. But no, I yeah. love that. It, it is a. It is such a. I'm reading a book by um, Courtney Thorson um, called The Sisterhood, and it's about writers like June Jordan, Toni Morrison. Um, I think Alice Walker might have been, but a, you know, a group of Black women artists. Some of them were journalists, some of them were professors, some of them were novelists or editors. In Toni Morrison's case, at the time, and it's about their friendship, and it's it, and it's about how they were bringing their full selves and then being like, well, how can we change our different workplaces? How can we change the industry? And so, yeah, I guess it's just underscored kind of what Sam is saying. There is such power in being your full self, Mm -hmm. Um, your full, competent, your smart, 
expertise, all that. And when you can bring friendship into it, if you can, if you have such a gift, you know, um, an opportunity, it's it's really special. Because I think normally we kind of, it's for the group text. It's for this other space. Mm-hmm. Don't you're, yeah. you're supposed to be Saeed the author right, right. now, mm-hmm. not Saeed mm-hmm. the, the full person. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, oh, absolutely. And I mean, I just, it, I just think queer friendship. I mean, I'm even thinking about like stuff that actually gets made and shows up on TV. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes queer people get like a romantic storyline or there's something like the L word, all of to Eileen Shaken, where like <laughs> all those friends eventually fuck each other. There isn't a single friend as, <laughs> ca- as platonic as that friendship starts. Uh-huh. Just wait. Yeah. Just know, you know just maybe um, not yeah. this season, but next season. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I just remember, you know, as many things don't necessarily hold up about the show Orange is the New Black, I remember watching that show and as I was watching it being like, oh my God, these, like here's a queer person who's friends with a straight person. Like here's a queer person who's friends with another mm-hmm. queer person. And mm-hmm. a lot of those friendships actually didn't end in fucking. They just like stayed yes. friends. And then at the end of the show, yes. they were friends. Like there just was yeah. like a it's long- be- It was a beautiful thing. Yeah, long trajectory yeah. of friendship. Um, so I think even that, like just sh- modeling that is really, really awesome. So thank you. Well, we're also like, we are, I think we are of a certain age and have lived through enough other oh, friendships. Oh no. Oh, it's finally happened. I'm of a certain age. Fuck. <laughs> oh God. My whole life I have waited in fear it's of this moment. It's We've happened. crossed the threshold. Oh no. The Congratulations, veil has been Mrs. Jones. <laughs> Congratulations. Oh, babe, I'm oh, sorry. No, I'm a man of a certain age. Right okay, go on. <laughs> it was rough to but see. Like, Chantel is laughing rough. at me from the other side of the threshold. <laughs> Mind you. (laughs) (laughs) I think of certain friendships I've tried to cultivate. And you know how it goes sometimes. You love this friend. You start out too hot. And you're in their face too much. And you're hanging out too much. And then before you know it, six months in, there's a big old fight. And you're like, get the fuck away from me. And I think with our friendship, at least once I got in there, we all have been respectful of people's boundaries. Like, Zach and I live on two different sides of L.A., I'm not knocking his door down every day. I ain't doing it, and vice versa. You know, and like Sam won't cross the ten. You know, he's afraid. <laughs> why would you? Why would, well, first of all, you can't. even I you know, also can't. even I you can't. Know. It's, it's on fire. Yeah, it's on fire. But like, but like the beauty of our friendship is that like every meeting is special because we are not overexposing ourselves to the others. Yes, we're not. You know, and I think that's a certain kind of wisdom. Let's get into this because (laughs) because the writer um, and activist Sarah Schulman, uh, one of the original members of ACT UP, an incredible journalist, um, what's her most recent book, Let the Record Show? Um, She's just incredible. And I remember a few years ago into one of the friend circles that Zach was referring to earlier that (laughs) went down in flames. It did. That is a phenomenon. (laughs) And I remember she said something and I wasn't ready at the time. I remember I felt like a like a repulsion. She said, I hate the term chosen family. And she was like, there's something sinister about I choose you. You will now be my family. Mm -hmm. And she was like, especially given what blood family tends to represent, it's like, I will recreate this toxic cycle from fresh. You know, she was like, like, huh? I was like, Sarah, whoa, 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 whoa. But now, you know, and I think Sam, you know, it is a sincere, I think it's um, human. I think it's probably a rite of passage, especially for queer people, that we run out of 
mm. difficult homes, difficult mm-hmm. blood family relationships. And then you are so grateful, mm-hmm. you know, to find someone that you have these identities in common with that I think the the initial few iterations of those mm-hmm. chosen family dynamics, it's it is too intense. You're ho- you're like holding on for dear life. And you know what that feels like. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? That grip. Wow. You're like, wait a minute, we can't live like yep. that. So you're you're right, Sam. I mean, we are. We're very, very close friends. We love each other deeply. But I think with time and you have a few of those flame outs, mm-hmm. um, um, you start to go, well, maybe we can be a little bit more intentional. Maybe it doesn't always have to feel like we're in a life. This is together. so interesting. Yep. And if we had a whole other hour, I would also want to talk about how in like in like lesbian plus or non-binary trans inclusive that like queer east side of LA community, which I've talked many times on this oh, podcast, yeah. there is no oh, yeah. overarching name for know them well. Uh, whatever uh-huh. know them like well. whatever is not cis gay yes. men. Like everybody else uh-huh. who's all one team. Um, like, yes. I think yes. also those friend groups um, have something that I don't know. It doesn't, I often make the assumption doesn't exist the same way. So it's like really interesting hearing about the flame outs because in, I think these friend groups, a lot of times those are breakups because they're so centered so, around uh. really specific coupledom. Like it's like, Uh, you know, five couples or whatever, or like there might be like a few single people in the group, but the couples are who the houses people are going to, you know, or like the apartments. Mm -hmm. Oh, I see. It becomes the architecture for them. So they like Uh are built around these specific couples. Mm -hmm. And when those couples break up, either that group has to decide to continue to gel and those people have to like work that out or those friend groups are fracturing and there are like, it's like, so you, you don't just have to avoid your exes. Or stay friends with your exes. You either have to reform a friend group around something that feels really difficult. And I've done both. I've done both things. Or Mm -hmm. your entire Mm -hmm. friend group scatters to the wind because they were all mutual friends based around the same couple. Yes. And like it'll be so just like the performance of the friendship is performative and then the performance of the breakup is performative. I'm not going to name any names, but some friends of friends of mine were involved in a very intense queer POC Reiki circle. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Understood. And the circle broke up because two of them had a falling out and it was drama. It was drama. It was drama. And I was just like, y'all set yourselves up for this because it was, there was so much weight put into the performance of yeah. this type of community when it falls apart it's 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 heavy i mean just to use you, you know a, to use another analogy um because i just i think this is actually a very common dynamic. so so camera i was raised nichiren buddhist um and i was raised nichiren buddhist in the south um which is to say most of the people the adults in this space um, that I was growing up around were Nichiren Buddhist who g- were raised in the Bible Belt. It was, you know, they in their 20s or maybe early 30s had discovered this other faith. And so they had been maybe formally Catholic or or some other faith, you know. Um, and it was so interesting because now with the distance years later, I can see how so many of these people, like my mom, for example, 
escaped or distanced themselves from the toxic aspects of their baby Judeo-Christian families, but then went into Buddhism with the exact same intensity. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. Like it wasn't unusual for my mom sometimes to chant, to meditate four to six hours a day. And then get home and do it again afterward, you know. And I was just like, isn't that Mm kind of just as intense as you know your your mother, who you're like, you know? And so I think you know what whatever the dynamic is, whether it's faith or friendship, shit. I think we do it for work. We're like, I'm leaving this nine to five job, and then you're working as a freelancer. (laughs) Yeah, even (laughs) more. Yeah, Yeah, it's like you have to take time. You need to breathe, and you need to, I think, acknowledge the dynamic that you're trying to strike out from to mm. to come up with a different path. If you just run, if you just run for dear life and jump into that lifeboat, I think you'll be in the exact same dynamic again. It can happen. Yes. Uh-huh. Well, listen. Um shit. Shit, it's time to go. <laughs> Shit. No, we can do 10 more minutes. No, we started it. late. We started late. We can go I 10 I know, but I've been timing us. I have been timing us. Okay. <laughs> Sam, this shows a certain length. Here's what I was going to say. Ah, um, uh-huh. uh, I just love ending it with shit. I love that. People should model that more. <laughs> when you need yes. to go, you got to go. I'm like, so actually, this enjoying <laughs> this convo. I'm so enjoying talking to all of you. I, it's it's just awesome. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for, for being thank here today. You, and thank you. This is also why we need to preserve a little bit of time because there is like a cute little end. And so I wanted to give us time for the cute little end. Um, okay. The cute well, little end of the show yeah. is that everybody mm-hmm. shouts out a queero, which is a person, place, or thing that made them feel they could be who they are today. So human, book, movie, mm. bar, library. I have mine. Yeah, go ahead. I have mine. Okay. So my Quiro will be um, Jack from Will and Grace, played by uh, Sean Hayes, um, recent Tony winner. Um, So I watch Will and Grace religiously as a young person. Every Thursday, would watch it, sometimes with my stepmom. And Jack was so himself unapologetically in ways that I Mm. did not know how to be. And he was so flamboyant. He was so readably gay. And he would say, just Jack 2000 and run around and scream these little phrases with his fingers. And um, he became a path for me of getting that, getting to that same place for myself and modeling it for myself. And um, he just presented so much freedom and fun. And I don't know, I just still look back at those times and I'll rewatch the episodes and it's completely problematic. Like this man, like, supported some racist things some eating disorders he was not a perfect queero but he was flawed and he was okay with his flaws and i just needed that so much when i was 10 and uh so whenever i see sean hayes doing anything these days i'm just like god bless you for doing that role and so it's a great much. performance you know because that's the thing sometimes when especially for like an actor if the material doesn't hold up yeah you're yeah. like, well, <laughs> I don't know how much <laughs> on the day, yeah. on the day. I don't know how much to say he had, but <laughs> I do know that uh, as much as like, I mean, also like Karen, come on. Uh, Karen yeah, is like, on. I mean, Karen was like, a Karen. Car- yeah. Karen was a Karen. Karen. Well, the original Karen. Karen. I mean, it's yeah. like, it's the era of like, is it, what if somebody was an alcoholic? 
Wouldn't that be funny? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and she made art of it. Yeah. Um, I I'm actually just I'm rewatching the show for the second time in like three years. Um, I'm headed to season four. Um, I learned something recently because he's doing a podcast with the actor who played Will. Um, oh yeah. Uh, Sean Hayes apparently was really buff in the first season. He was huh. too buff. And oh. um, and so if you if you rewatch, you'll notice he's wearing a lot of baggy clothes, which I think is actually really interesting because I think the idea is well, if he was supposed to be the flamboyant sissy compared to mm. Will, um, mm-hmm. then he couldn't. But he he literally was. They were like it was a problem. We were we were coming up with some wow. creative wow. costuming solutions, and I was like, oh, that's an interesting idea about kind of gender and the yeah. kind of gay man he was supposed yeah. to be. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I had no idea. Buff Sean Hayes. Then he yeah. became a twink I, and then got really rich. Imagine off the a road. gay character <laughs> in his twenties who oh, works out a lot. Who yeah. works out. Mm. <laughs> Crazy. Um, I'll go. Um, my my queero would be um, Rigoberto Gonzalez. Um, he was my thesis advisor when I was in graduate school. Um, he is a Mexican American writer and poet. Um, preeminent literary citizen. Um, but significantly, he was the first out queer um, teacher I'd ever had. And, and it was also wonderful that he was a queer person of color and um, changed my life. And kind of I think so much of what we've kind of talked about is how your perception of relationships, dynamics, even sitcoms changes with time. Maybe you appreciate it more, maybe a little bit less. Um, his wisdom has always rung true. It's true as a bell. Things he said to me in gosh, 2007, 2008, in some ways only resonate more. You know, sometimes the wisdom, mm-hmm. like I was saying with Sarah Shulman, I was like, I wasn't ready for that, you know. Um, but I, I just have such appreciation because it wasn't just that I was able to say, I have a gay literature teacher, you know, a gay professor. Like, that is so cool. It was that he was excellent. I mean, the best of the best. He was intimidating and seriously. We sat differently in our workshops with Rigoberto. You know what I mean? It was not a game. And so I just think in addition to just like his identity regarding sex or or race, it was his identity as someone who was excellent and excellently himself. And that felt um, that felt pivotal. Yeah. Wow, that's beautiful. Good job, it. everybody. So Shout far. out to Rigo. Here we go, Sam. Yeah. All right. Mine, um, my Quiro is a Quiro for several reasons. And I was Googling to see the latest on him, and it's especially timely this week. But long story short, the impetus biggest impetus for me wanting to pursue a career in radio and in particular public radio was one episode of This American Life in which they profiled an evangelical black minister named Carlton Pearson, who was disowned from the evangelical church because he decided one day hell is not real and God loves gay people. Hmm. This guy... I grew up listening to him and his choir. My mother loved their music. He was very evangelical. He went to Oral Roberts University, like the extremely conservative, repressive college that cranks out these ministers. Um, And for a while, he was was one of the more prominent uh, black ministers who could speak to white evangelicals, black evangelicals, and his choir made these albums that we all love, like good old fashioned, you know, back home church music. 
And so I grew up hearing this man's music as a kid in the back of my mother's car. But when my mother couldn't drive anymore and I would drive her around, I'd make her listen to NPR. And she didn't like it, but I did. But the first <laughs> thing on NPR that she ever liked was the episode of This American Life hmm. where they profile Carlton Pearson and his journey to believing that hell wasn't oh. real. Wow. And, and so his story let me know a few things. One, um, there are other people like me who grew up in church and love church, but hmm. know that this can't be true. Hmm. Two, um, it's possible to talk about these issues in a thoughtful way, worthy of public radio. And three, these type of conversations can work even for my mother, wow. even for her, right? Huh? And so, so much of my North Star going into this work was Carlton Pearson. Uh, he's wow. not gay, but he's my queero. And I was Googling him just now to see if there's any breaking news on him. Uh, turns out, we're taping this on November 20th. Um, on November 19th, Carlton passed away from cancer. Oh my gosh. Yesterday. So I think it's really timely now to say, mm. Carlton, thank you for everything. We honor you. Holy shit. But wow. yeah, him, Carlton Pearson. That is wild. Totally wild. Wow. How old were you? I was, gosh, maybe 18 or 19. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. His episode of This American Life is called Heretics, episode 304. And is it, 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 it is from uh, December 2005. Okay. So I heard it in 2005. So years wow. later. Wow. Yeah. That yeah. one. He's wow. great. Ooh, work. All of you have, yeah. I mean, those are all beautiful answers. And you know what? I never, I don't think I've ever shouted out a queero, but just because of what we were talking do about it. earlier, I actually do want to shout one out today, which is, um, I said, I don't listen to anything, but like I said, I also <laughs> listen to news. <laughs> and um, I just want to take a minute and shout out my friend, Lydia Polgren. Who is <gasps> yes? She is so great. We were just talking about her. Yeah. yeah. So she's somebody that um, you know is a, is an actual friend of mine, and also that I've watched have this sort of massive set of changes in her career. So like, also somebody I've watched from afar. And right now she is not just a columnist at the New York Times, but she's also on a podcast called Matter of Opinion, where she <laughs> speaks to people who have. So she's an opinion columnist, so she speaks to some people <laughs> yeah. who have similar opinions, and she also speaks to. Listen, I have not talked to Lydia about this, so so do not, do not. I have <laughs> not spoken to her. This is okay. not reflective uh -huh. of her, but I will say mm -hmm. that sometimes on this show, the shit that she is putting up with Ex and yes. responding to is uh -huh. some of the most. Is some of the wildest shit I have had to hear somebody be recorded responding to in a very long time. She does it beautifully. She's so smart. And also, mm -hmm. as somebody who brings her identity to work, she always talks about she the um, life she lived living in internationally in her youth and then also as a foreign correspondent. And she also very often talks about her wife, Candy, who I know, and also like the Subarus that they drive. So like, yes. you know what? Yes. That that's coming out on a New York Times podcast. Like just we shout, love out, it. shout out to Lydia. You are doing the work, my friend. And yes. uh, I'm going to well, text you yeah. this after this as well. Yeah. <laughs> well, and also it's so wild to hear her on that show have to be so nice because her oh resume runs circles around the rest of them. 
several circles. Oh my god. She was a foreign correspondent mm-hmm. for years. Mm-hmm. She has managed newsrooms. Uh-huh. She has led the audio division at Spotify uh-huh. for a long time. She can do it all, you know? She and the led the Huffington so Post. Nice. Not just a yes. newsroom, but like yes. the Huffington Post. Oh, yeah, yeah. The Huffington and the fact Post. that she's so nice, I'm like, girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's a she's like a literal actual genius. And uh yeah. so mm-hmm. Lydia, I hope you're doing I hope you're doing great today. I hope you're having some sort of nice day. <laughs> I hope you're having a good day, Lydia. Hope you're having a good day. Lydia. <laughs> I really hope she is. Uh, it was so good talking to you all. I am a huge fan of what all of you are doing, and I'm just like so glad that you're in my ears and in the world. Oh, uh, this was this is a hoot. Best Loved helicopter ride I've had in ages. Mm. <laughs> 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 Maximum Fun. A worker-owned network. Of artists-owned shows. Supported. Directly. By you.